Good morning, everybody. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? It is the day before VBS. We're trying to reach the youth. Somebody would say, what do you guys think of our new decorations? Yeah, should we keep it for, for a week? Didn't we do a pirate one once? We did. We had a ship the whole way. That was crazy, dude. Yeah. We all remember that ship. Yeah, that was crazy. But this, I walked in and I'm like, transported, immediately transported. Yeah. And then down the hallway, I saw Mario. And then we've got uh, Donkey Kong over Donkey here. Kong in there. Barry, did you do Donkey Kong? Is that what I heard? Thank you, sir. Yes. Yeah. And Tetris is down the children's wing. and I didn't get down that far. Yeah, that's okay. You got most of it. We have Frogger. Oh, oh, yeah. Splat. Yeah. So good morning, everyone. I'm glad you're all here. Thanks for joining us online. Um, I'm Pastor Brian. And um, today, like I said, is the day before VBS. I know there's a few things that, that, that Jesse still needs. So if, uh, do we have any slides? Power up. Yeah, that's, that's this week. This, this week. Is that all of them? Yeah. So, so just this, that, I, I think there is a few things to, that she needs, which is probably what that podium in the back there is for. So um, afterwards, if you want to uh, um, um, check that out, and if you're online and you want to help support us in some way, let us know, and we can get you the information. You can on even, that. online, you can click on that QR code. Oh, that, yes, and join us. Yeah, the little square thing's called a QR code. Mm -hmm. Most of you already know that, so forgive the pedantic nature of that, but... If you just hold your phone's camera up to that, it'll pop up and you can click the link and you can jump right to the registration. Right to registration. That's right. Um, I think that's all of it. I think, you know, this week's going to be a crazy week. And I just wanted to say thank you. I, you know, as I'm looking around here, every, all of you guys have served at VBS before or done something here. And I still thank you. Um, it is such a blessing. Yeah, and I know it's going to be a hard week. But, you know, the kingdom of God does not grow except for through sacrifice. It just doesn't. Whether it's the sacrifice of your time, your energy, your sleep. Uh, and in some way, that's how the kingdom of God grows. And so this week we're going to be sacrificing. So pray for us. Um, and thank you so much for all that you're doing. And uh, next week it will be a fun week with all the kiddos here. Um, so... With that, I think that's all the major announcements. I know we're doing a yard sale coming up, but that's coming, is that the end of uh, September? It's the beginning of October. August, beginning of August. So we can talk about that next Can week. you restate that? Just because It's we... at the beginning of August. <laughs> if you have stuff that you would like to donate to the, to the yard sale, let us know and we will schedule a time for you to drop it off. There you go. Okay, today talking about, um, we're going to finish up our little series on, the, on your Bible, and we've talked about a lot of different things, and today we're going to talk about what is the main story of the Bible, and um, today is a day that we live in a world where, even though it may not seem like it, the world is telling you a, a, a narrative, a story that we're all living in. We grew up with that in school, we, we, we hear it every day in the movies, and in the books we read, in the magazines, and even if it's not obvious that there's a story that the world is telling there is a story that the world is telling and we need to we need to hear we need to live in the story that god has told because that's the true story and we're going to be talking a little bit about that how jesus really is the center of of of, of the whole bible and i'll help hopefully i'll help you see that to a little bit of a degree today but that's what we're going to be talking about today um and uh 
So let's take some time and let's, we'll sing this song and kind of get our minds in the, in the mode of worship today. And then we're going to uh, get into the sermon. Yes. Jim. I have two questions for you. With VBS, there won't be a podcast this week? Is there will be. There will be. Okay. We are, it's going to be an interviewing of Terry. Okay. So, it's, okay. so I'm going to ask this question because I won't have the opportunity this week. Go ahead. Go ahead. What's the first Bible story? As we're talking about the Bible, what's the first Bible story that you remember learning as a kid? Mine was Paul getting struck. Really? Blind. Yeah. I remember that when I was I five. remember right after I became a Christian... Um, I remember for the first time after, immediately after that, the Bible suddenly became really exciting to me, and I didn't know why, because I, I knew nothing. But I remember my youth pastor, he, he, he happened to leave his Bible open and went off and did something, and I snuck a look. That's how I looked. That's how I felt. It's like, because I just kind of went, and I read a parable, and I thought that was the most amazing story I've ever, ever read. I'm it's a like, good thing wow. you didn't start in Judges, right? Oh, golly. <laughs> Can you imagine? Judges is like, amazing. I need to do a series on amazing. It is such a fun, gory book. Yeah, but if that would have been like your youth pastor was studying Judges that day. No, it was something. In the, it was some gospel. That would have changed your perspective. Yeah, and it was just like, wow, that's really neat. So, I don't know, probably David or something before that in, in Sunday school. But yeah. anyways. Thanks for letting me ask. Yeah. All right. Father God, we want to pray for, for, for our service today. We want to pray for, 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 um, for our hearts. We all came here and, uh, or we're listening at this time with a lot going on in our heads, in our lives, in our hearts. And we really ask, Jesus, that you would help us um, to really focus in on you to get our, to, to lift our eyes to the hills to, he, to to your heaven and to see you to hear your voice and so please Jesus help us to do that Holy Spirit to please move that we can stop with the distractions about you know what people are doing around us what's happening in our own minds what's happening this afternoon, what happened yesterday, what happened tomorrow, and just be in your presence. Because we need to hear your voice. We need to feel your presence today. So please help us to do that. Father, as we sing this first song, Lord, I hope, I pray to you that each person who has the opportunity to hear this, understands that they are in this, that they are represented, and that the invitation is for them. And um, also help, help me overcome the, the flaws and the messiness of my own, uh, the extension of my own invitation to, to people, that may my heart be in the right place when I'm inviting people to come to see and to be a part of your promise, Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Again, Father, I just want to reinforce that 
for everyone who, who hears this. It's, you're not excluded. And God, please forgive the flaws in our delivery of our invitation and the unintentional and perhaps even the intentional hurt that sometimes an invitation can cause, Lord. Overcome this because you can. Thank you for using those of us who are so phenomenally flawed to deliver this invitation. And may we continue to hear that invitation in your word today. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray that you would um, put your words in my mouth, that the meditations of my heart and in the the, meditation, the, the, the thoughts and the inclinations of all of our hearts be bent towards you, that Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would talk through me to your people. I pray that, uh, as I often do, that, that whatever I have planned, uh, may it be from you. Whatever I say, um, may it be your words and not mine. And, and if I have something planned or I say something that isn't from you, I do ask, Jesus, that, that I either I don't say it or it's forgotten. But, oh, Lord, the things that are from you, may that be seared like a branding iron in our brains. To your glory, in we pr- name we pray, amen. I don't know that I can overstate too much the, the, the significance, the, the, the benefit to you of really getting what is the big story of your life, of the world, and, and, and just having that super clear in your mind um, for a couple of reasons. One is because, because, as I said, the world is constantly telling a different story that you live in. Um, and two, it'll solve a thousand other smaller issues. A lot of questions you have about yourself, a lot of questions you have about, about life, about Jesus, about how God relates to you. So many of these things will be solved if you, if you can remember the, the, the story itself. Um, now, today what I want to do is I just, we're going to finish up this little series on, on the Bible and just, then we'll just finish Ruth. And today, what I'm trying to get you to see is that the big story of the Bible is Jesus. Not that Jesus is a character in the Bible, but he is the story. And there is a big difference. Now, I have this here. I put thousands. I don't know if it's quite a thousand, but there's certainly hundreds of prophecies about Jesus in Scripture. Um, But just because there's a lot of prophecies about Jesus or or allusions to Jesus doesn't mean that the Bible is about Jesus. That doesn't necessarily equate. For example, um, C-3PO and R2-D2 are in a lot of Star Wars. In fact, they're in all the movies of of the main storyline. They're they're in all of them. But but Star Wars is not about C-3PO, even though he's referenced a lot. It's about Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. That's the main, main storyline of the entire story. They just happen to be a part of it. Now, and, and one could argue, and, and some do, is that Jesus, well, is, is a character referenced a lot, but that's not what that's really the core of the whole thing is. And what I'm trying to 
so, so, but I want to show you is, yeah, it is. Yeah, he is. That he's, he's, he's there a lot. He, he, everything contributes to, to the story of Jesus. He may not be referenced everywhere. Everything may not be about Jesus, but everything contributes to the message of who he is and what he's doing. He's the main character in everything. And the big story is this, is that there's a, there's a coming promised person. That's the big storyline. Now I'm going to give you two, two, two proof texts, kind of just a, a thing to hang your hat on that says, well, this is all about him. Okay? One of them comes from Jesus. In Luke 24, this is after the resurrection, and he's, and he's talking to his disciples, and he, and, he, and, he's, and he says, Jesus said to them, these, these people who are walking on, on the road, says, you foolish people, you, you find it hard, so hard to believe that all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures, all the prophets wrote in scriptures as a whole. You, wasn't it clearly predicted to you that the Messiah himself would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory. And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and from and all, all the prophets, explaining from the, all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The whole, whole Old Testament is about Jesus. I remember reading this here in, um, in John chapter 5. Jesus said, if you really believed in Moses, you'd believe in me. Why? Because Moses wrote about him. But, but here's the problem. Jesus, Moses never says the word Jesus. Ne- Moses never even uses the word Messiah. So how could Jesus say that? See, that's the question we need to deal with. Not that there's a lot of fat prophecies about Jesus, and one of these days I need to go through that, but what I want to try and help you see is how Moses, the, those first five books of the Bible, are, are, are centered on this coming person in the last days. That in the last days, there's a coming person. That's what Moses is trying to get us to see. And the rest of the Old Testament is really, if you want to think it conceptually, it's merely a commentary on what Moses already said. There's a little bit more information that comes, but they're all playing off of, they're all just kind of helping people get what Moses already stated in, in those first five books. And then, of course, the New Testament is nothing more than trying to explain what's happening in the Old Testament. So, two things. In this phrase. So the, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to deal with this phrase, and then I'm just going to tell you the big story, okay? Because I want to do it in those two steps, because on one hand, I want you to see that this is grounded in actual specific verses. And this is, I am just scratching the surface here. But let's give it a little bit. The first one is, of course, Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Now, if there's a beginning... Doesn't it need to be an ending? Uh-huh. That's the point. In the start of the story, in the first half, there's, this is what's happening. There's a beginning. And at the end of Genesis, 
Jacob says this. He called all his sons together and says, gather together and I may tell you what will happen in the last days. So in Genesis, you have the beginning of days and, you have, and then he's referencing what's going to happen in the last days. And this phrase, in the last days or in the latter days or the days to come, something along those lines, is repeated not just by Moses, even though it is, multiple times, but through the prophets a lot. I mean a lot. There's this theme that keeps going over and over in the last days, in the last days, in the latter days, in the final days, something along these days, in the days to come. It's repeated over and over and over and over and over again. And my point I'm just trying to make with just these two little ones here is there is a scheme that starts with Moses of saying there's, there's beginning of days and then there's later days. That Moses is looking at, 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 at everything that's happening today and he's going, but there's a, there's a later days coming. And you need to think about that. That this latter day idea started with Moses in things like this. And by the way, in this, 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 is, a, this is Jacob blessing, also named Israel. He got his names changed, and he has all the, the 12 tribes of Israel, all these sons there, and he's blessing them. And he gets down to Judah, and this is what he says about Judah. Sorry, it's so small. He says to Judah, you, you, and you got to watch the, the, the tense of the words, you, Judah, are a lion's cub. Judah, from the prey, my son, you have gone up. Notice he's saying first person, singular, you. But then he switches in the narrative verse. He crouches and he lies down like a lion, like a lioness. Who will rouse him? He switches tense to third person. So he's talking to Judah and they says, and there's this other person, he, singular, is like a lion, he li- like a lioness, who, cr- who will rouse him. And then it continues and says, the scepter will not, the, the, the ruling staff will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler staff between his feet until that person, this third person he's talking about, comes to whom it belongs and the nations will obey him. And that's Jesus. That's Genesis 49, 9 and 10. And so there, it begins this long, it, 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 this is the end in Genesis of a long series of, of promises. This one started with, you know, it, it is, is a blessing that Judah is, give, is getting from his father, Jacob, who got it from his father, Right? who got it from his grandfather. His grandfather was Abraham. And Abraham was told, in your seed, singular, your, one of your children, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And where did that come from? All the way back to Genesis chapter 3. So it goes from the woman to Abraham, from Abraham to Isaac, from Isaac to, to Jacob, from Jacob to Judah, and then later on we're going to see it goes to David. And so there's this this backbone of promises that somebody is coming in the latter days who will deal with what happened in Genesis 3. 
I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, that is Eve, and between your child, your, your children, and her seed. He, singular, shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. And this, this, these promises that are just at the core of what, what Abraham, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had, that Moses is trying to highlight, gets taken off by the, by the prophets. And there's all this stuff that's being said in the prophets about this person who's coming and what it's going to be like when that person comes. And you get it in places like Isaiah chapter 2. And it shall come, past, come to pass in the latter days, again, there's that latter days, that the mountain of the Lord, that the house of the Lord, his, his, his ruling palace shall be established on the highest of all. He will be the top king over all the other kings and shall be lifted above all the other nations and all the nations shall flow to it. All the nations are going to be blessed by this one ruler. Right? And, and he says, and he... Singular, a single person shall judge between all the nations and decide disputes between many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their, pruning, and their, and their spears into, into pruning hooks. And nations shall not lift up sword against nation, nor they learn war anymore. And so there is, and that's just one of thousands, maybe a thousand, but certainly hundreds of allusions to that there's a coming person there's a coming person in the latter days. And it goes all the way back to Genesis 3. And that's just one of them. In the New Testament, you'll hear things like this. God chose him, Jesus, as a ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. At the resurrection of Jesus... That's when the latter days started. The days that Moses was talking about in Genesis 49 began with Jesus. That's what, Paul, that's what Peter is saying. Or in Hebrews chapter 1, long ago and many times in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, right? Okay. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, whom he also created the world. So the New Testament's argument or point is that the latter days, the days prophesied by all of the prophets and Moses and all of that, these latter days began with Jesus. We're in the latter days. We're in the latter days. So, that's, that's, what, Mo, and that's what Moses is trying to say, that there's a promised person coming in the latter days. And we need to remember... Because I talked about last week about how you need to put things in context, right? Well, what is the context of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy? It's from the perspective of Mount Sinai. Because Moses is writing this. He's writing it from the to the people that were with him on Mount Sinai. He, and their direct descendants. That's the context. It's from that perspective. And that matters. Because what, because what, what, what Moses is, is dealing with is that the people, if you read Exodus, immediately after getting the law, what do they do? The golden calf. 
They immediately fail to keep God's covenant. They immediately sin. And then God gives them more laws and they do it again. They, they, they fail. He's writing it from the perspective of the failure of the Mosaic covenant to work. It doesn't work. And Moses knows this. And you can read in Deuteronomy 30 and 31 and 29 in that, his, his final sermon. He's like, you're going to get kicked out of the land again. He knows what's going to happen. He knows that living under the law does not work. He's seeing that. And so he's, what he's trying to say is, this way of working doesn't work. But who had a good relationship with God? And he's sitting there and he's thinking about it. And he goes, well, you know who did? Abraham did. He did. He was called a friend of God. Well, how did Abraham do it? He didn't have the law. What did he do? He heard the promises of God about this promised one coming and he believed it. And he was called a friend of God. So that's, that, that's what's happening here in, in, in those first five books. Which all the prophets basically just explain that more. That there's a, ladder, there's a person coming in the latter days. And by the way, if that's going to happen there, how, how do you live right now to get prepared for that? How do we work through that in this moment now where things aren't, we're not in the latter days yet, we're not at the end yet, but how do we live there? I mean, that's some of the questions they're asking too. How do we live in light of the fact that there's somebody coming? But that's, that's, the, that's the thrust of the entire scripture. And let's give, let me give you the, the, just the whole Bible story as a whole. Now that I've given you some sense of there's specific places where it lines up. When you read a story, you're looking for a couple of things. How do you interpret a story? You look at the, you look at the setting, you look at the characters, you look at the plot, you look at, at, at for the plot, the plot always goes in kind of this shape. It starts out at the beginning where you have the, you have the main character given and, they, and the main character has something they have to deal with. There's some problem, some issue. The technical word for it is the conflict. It's whatever it is the main character needs to deal with. And then through, through the first half of the story, the problem gets more and more explained or it gets worse. And, and there's little hints about how the, the hero, the main character, is going to deal with whatever it is. They're either going to succeed or they're going to fail. But they're gonna, there's going to come a crisis moment where whatever the problem is, is going to either overcome the, bad, the, 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 the main character or the, or the main character is going to come the, main, the problem. And then after that, which is called the climax, it goes fall, where all the implications of the, the, whatever the, the hero did with that main issue gets resolved. And in the Bible, the setting is creation, just as one and two. The setting isn't a tiny little strip in the Middle East. It's heaven and earth. Now, they, they, they narrow it down because a lot of significant things are going to happen here, but the, but the context is all of what's been made. And the main characters are who? It's God. Just in, in these first couple of chapters, what do you see? You see God. 
who's the one who makes everything, and everything is great and one, and he's blessing humanity. Who's the other main character? Humans. He makes male and female, and he puts them there. But then when you get to chapter 3, there's, there's a third character. They're spiritual agencies, and a particular one who works against him. And so you have the conflict in chapter 3. What's the conflict? Well, God wants to bless humanity. That's why he set up Eden and all of that. But humans rebel against him and there's sin. And the world is messed up. That's the conflict. A human heart that just doesn't want to do what God says and go their own way. And yet God wants to bless them because he loves them. And how is that going to work? That's the basic issue in the entire Bible. Which gets replayed, by the way, as a side note, in the story of Israel. They brought, they're brought to the land. They're saying, they're saying, God says, you obey me, I'm going to bless you amazingly. But if you don't, I'm going to have to kick you out of the land. And they sin, and God kicks them out of the land, just like Adam and Eve. It's just a replaying of the story of Adam and Eve. That's really all that the story of Israel is, in a nutshell, is the replaying of the story of Adam and Eve. And so you have, from the beginning, and the beginning, uh, kind of the introductory kind of setup for the whole Bible is Genesis 1 through 3, but you could also say, in another sense, you could extend it all the way actually out to chapter 11, because 4 and 5, it kind of reveals how death comes from that, because there's a repeated phrase in Genesis 4 and 5 of and he died, 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 and he died. The death came from the sin of what Adam and Eve did. And then you have Noah as this, this basic prototype of what God's going to do. And you have the, the, the dispersing of the nations and all of the, the issues that are happening there with the Tower of Babel. And then you finally start with the main storyline of Abraham in chapter 12. So you have the introduction. And then you have this rising action Starting now that we know what the Bible is basically about, God wanting to bless humanity, and yet we sin. And, and, and there's, a, there's a third character between God and man, and the third one is these spiritual forces who are just going to make things worse. And you have it rising as things get worse and worse and worse and worse. And slowly, God reveals how is his main character him in the form of his son, this promised one, is going to fix this problem. It gets worse, worse, and worse, and then someone is going to come to fix it all. And that's what the prophets are all about. This is what, because this sin spreads to all humanity and everything gets really bad. And the Old Testament ends without it being solved. Have you ever thought about that? That nowhere in all of the Old Testament do you get back to Genesis chapter 2? It never happens. It is a cliffhanger. The end of, of the Old Testament is a cliffhanger. Because it ends with, oh, somebody's coming, but the world isn't back to Genesis 2. It's still a mess. If anything, it's worse. What, what, 
where's it going to go? And then Jesus steps on the stage. And he steps on the stage. And it's clearly, it's like, okay, all the prep is done, and then the main character has his moment in the spotlight. And that's the climax of the entire story. Because if he does the decisive thing that solves the core issue of the entire Bible with his life, his death, his resurrection. He deals with it. And then what we have from that moment all the way through the rest of Scripture, simply the playing out of the effects, the implications of everything Jesus did in his death and resurrection. And then you get to Revelation 20 and 22, where you see the final, this solves everything. You want to know the whole story of the Bible? Read the first three chapters and the last three chapters, and you got a basic idea of everything that's going to happen right there. And isn't it interesting that there's a tree of life in both places? The parallels between 1 through 3 and of Genesis and 20 through 22 in Revelation, there's so many of them because it's a complete story. Satan gets dealt with. Humanity gets restored back to being in Eden, only it's better because it's not two people, it's a, it's a huge multitude, and God lives with them just like he was supposed to live with them and intended to live with them in Genesis chapter 2. That's the story. That's the whole story. God creates everything that's good. We blow it with the help of, of spiritual powers, then God starts promising someone's coming, things get worse, Jesus shows up, solves the whole thing, and then all the issues, all, it all gets played out, and you have the final conclusion in chapters 20 through 22 in Revelation. That's the story. And we're in the middle of it. We're in the falling action. The decisive issue has been solved. We're waiting for the effects of what Jesus has done to fully play out. So this is why Jesus said, clearly it was predicted that the Messiah would have suffered all these things and enter his glory. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and the prophets, explaining all of the scripture to them, the things concerning himself. That's why he's saying that. Because he is the story. He's the story. Oh, yeah, there are some things that aren't directly about him, but they all contribute to understanding who he is and what he's going to do or explaining what the problem that he's trying to deal with is. Half of Leviticus is either explaining how he's fixing it or that it's this is what the problem is. That's what's happening. So the Bible has a center. It's Jesus. It's not a science book. It's not meant to tell you about dinosaurs. It's not meant to tell that. It's not even meant to tell you about whether or not evolution is true. That's not the point of Genesis 1 through 3. The point of Genesis 1 through 3 is to tell you there's a creator and he's good. And it's him that we rebelled against. That's the point. And this isn't a comment on evolution one way or the other. It's just not worth arguing about. What's worth arguing about is, is there a creator? Is he good? That's the, that's, that's the nub. And our faith 
needs to be, we need to be like Abraham, who, when, he took, when the Lord took him outside and said to him, look up at the stars and count the stars and see if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And then Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. That's how we live. Just like Abraham. Abraham lived in a moment where he had these promises that someone's coming to fix all of this. And he goes, I believe it, Lord. And God says, that's faith. You're right with me. And that's what we do. That's what we do. We believe that someone's coming to fix everything, right? Do you believe that? Then you're just like Abraham. Same thing. We have more information than Abraham, but it's still the same basic thing. And what I want to encourage you to do is to just saturate your mind with this. That this is the basic story of the Bible. This is the story you live in. Because it will solve so many issues. Like why, why is there racism today? What does Genesis 3 tell you about that? Why is there violence? Why is, there, why, is, why is the world corrupted? Well, part of it is hum, human arrogance wanting to be like God, but there's also spiritual forces behind it, too. Because there's a serpent. What about, which comes first? God's love for humanity or his judgment? He's wanting to bless humanity or judgment. Judgment's there. Genesis 3 says, tells you that, that God will judge sin. But, it, but more foundational is that God wants to bless you. He loves you. See, this is just part of the, the implications. The implication of everything that's wrong in this world, Jesus has fixed. That's what the story tells you. Hopeless? How can you be hopeless when God's fixed every, when, when the decisive moment has already occurred in all of history? We're getting back to Genesis 2 soon. At some point, that's going to happen, and you're going to live in Genesis 2. See, you just, and these are just examples. But there's so many ways you need to live in this story. you got to live in that story. Because it's the true story of your life and the world. Not the one the world peddles. Not what you hear on, on TV or in the movies or in books. This is it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to pray that you would help us to, to see this story and to understand it and to live in it, that, that, that we would have the peace, just this deep fundamental peace that everything will get fixed because the climax of the story has occurred. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, I'm going to do something a little different right now. Um, Joe, if you have a question, we're going to have a moment where you can ask that. And if you guys have a question, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll take them. You may not, and maybe you don't. But if you do have a question, 
This is the moment. Does anybody have a question? About anything, anything you'd like me to elaborate more on? Not necessarily a question, but kind of a... Or a comment. Comment, and that is, um, you know, all the great stories have that moment where you think that evil side is, is one, and then it flips. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and, and some of you aren't going to care for this comparison, but I'm going to say it anyway. Avengers Infinity War, right? At the mm -hmm. end of that movie, if you haven't seen it, you don't need to. That's fine. Um, you just, uh, it, that movie ended and I went, like the Old Testament, I went, oh, that'd be, that's really a bold way to end this movie where half the people are dead. And wow, that was incredible. Mm -hmm. But but there's that promise that throughout yes. that you already know what's coming. Right. But that's immediately what came to my mind, which means I watch too many superhero movies. <laughs> uh, but there's but when you were talking about the Old Testament and it ends with kind of that hollow pit in your stomach for them because there was a promise but they were suffering and it was yeah all these promises weren't fulfilled yeah yeah any other comments no yes Beth. Oh, thanks <laughs> Yeah, with all the flawness in our lives and in the stories of the characters in, this, in the stories because all of that messed up, God, God overcomes all that and brings good out of it. Yeah, that really, and that's the story. It is the story, right? Well, you can see it over and over whether it's in Joseph or, it's, or, or Moses who was a murderer or Paul who was a murderer and a blasphemer and all of that and yet somehow God overcomes it all, you know, the, the, the death of Jesus on the cross. That was a horrible event. Human, humanity was responsible for that, and yet it actually turned out to be a good thing. That reversal, oh man, that's a theme all over the scripture. The, the, the irony of flipping things on its head. God does it all the time. It's like he, he just loves that, 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 that theme of the reversal. Any other comments? Otherwise, it'll be done. I hope you enjoyed that. If you have more questions, you can think about it. Let me know. Um, I just wanted to do this because we don't have a podcast for this. I figured. Um, hope that encouraged you. <laughs> oh, yes. The joyful innocence of a child and, you know, the world's going back to the innocence again. The joy, isn't there, there's, there's nothing like a little child's laugh, isn't there? Because it's so pure, it's unsullied by the crud of the world yet, and it's like, oh, it's coming for all of us again. So, so, to, so today, I want you to again, as we come to the, to, to the table, let this be, be like Abraham and again say, it's been a long time since you've promised that you're coming back. Help me to believe it again. Because we proclaim this until he comes again. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And on the third day, in the same way, 
Okay, I'm just going to speed this up. Okay. And he took the cup after cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Come to the table. We'll share together at the end while we sing um, you alone. And let's just be a, a moment of just worship uh, while we remember that Jesus is what we really need. Lord, you alone is what we need. In Genesis 2, that's what we needed. We needed each other and we needed to be in your presence. And since then, we have not, we long to be. We need you. You are our treasure. You alone are the one we bow down to. And we absolutely long, deeply, desperately long for the day where the full effects of what Jesus, you've accomplished on the cross comes to pass. Thank you for that hope. Strengthen our faith. In your name we pray. The body and blood of Christ given for you. May the Lord bless you this week and forever. Knowing that the, 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 the issues that you're struggling with will one day melt like snow. And we will stand on confetti, streets of gold as the confetti falls down. As us, his bride, lives in his presence with the innocence and the joy of a young child in the lap of their father, in the lap of their, of their beloved. That day's coming. May God bless you.